All right. Come on, let's give it up. Give it up for those incredible students. Come on, no, like really give it up. No, no, really, really, really give it up. Thank God. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Oh, yeah. We're so glad here at Hope to know that Jesus is pouring out his spirit on our sons and our daughters. And that means so much to us. And so thank you for your prayers and for your support. And uh, we sang it a moment ago. And I hope you caught it. Jesus is here. It was a prophetic song. It just came and Jesus is here. In fact, when we, when we come to the end of the teaching... We're going to sing that song again. We're going to put the words up for those of you that may be new to you. But just, just tell your neighbor so that they know. Just tell them Jesus is here. Just tell them Jesus, Jesus is here. We, we've been in a, a series just looking at what the church is about. And here's what we've been talking about over the last few weeks. Maybe you can see a theme emerging. Love like Jesus, live like Jesus, give like Jesus. Anybody catching maybe the theme yet? Serve like Jesus, pray like It's all about Jesus. The scripture we're looking at is in uh, John chapter 3. And it's early in Jesus' ministry and... Um, Jesus went to the Jordan River. He was baptized by John the Baptist. And he begins his ministry. And as he begins his ministry, people are flocking to Jesus. And the friends of John become concerned. And in the third chapter, they come to talk to him. And they say, uh, John, something's happening. The one that you introduced on the other side of the Jordan, the one that you witnessed to, remember when John the Baptist pointed at Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The one that you baptized, the one that you gave witness to, well, well he's also now baptizing. And, and John, everyone is going after Jesus. And they were concerned about it. But John the Baptist, who Jesus had identified as the most incredible prophetic voice ever to walk the earth. That's what Jesus called John the Baptist, the greatest prophet who ever lived. And in John chapter 3, he prophesies. And my prayer is that the prophecy of John would burn into your heart today. It's a simple prophecy but would it burn into your heart? It's not even hard. I believe that you could memorize this prophecy. It's only a few words long, but it's the essence of what we're talking about today. He looked back at his friends and said in John chapter 3 and verse 30, yeah, people may be going after Jesus, but Jesus must increase. That was the passion of John, the greatest prophet. Jesus must increase. Let's just say that together. Jesus must increase. And in order for that to happen, John knows something. But I must decrease. That truth is at the central transforming moment of every step of your spiritual journey. It's when you surrender to Jesus, maybe for the first time, but every time since then, when you surrender to Jesus and say, Jesus, you have your way. I'm backing up. I'm taking the back seat. In the words of that great hymn of the church, Jesus, take the wheel. 
But there's a truth there. Jesus, it's all about you. There's, a, there's an old, um, good old boy recipe for getting rabbit, rabbit stew. And step one of this good old boy res- recipe is first catch a rabbit. Those good old boys know what's going on. And here it is. We're here in worship. We're in a service. Step one, fix your eyes on Jesus. Make sure you don't miss Jesus. It's not about me. It's not even about you. In fact, today we're talking about it. It's all about Jesus. And John the Baptist knows that, and he speaks that. Jesus must increase, but, but I must decrease. What a powerful word of prophecy. Jesus must increase, but I must decrease. Do you have it yet? Do you think you could say it? You, have, you could memorize this. It's not a long prophetic word, but let's say it. Jesus must increase, but I must decrease. Now, just give that word of prophecy to somebody around you. Just look at them and just give them that word. Jesus must increase, but, but I, but I must decrease. And John explains to his friends why that is so important in this third chapter of John, and he, he takes them through several truths. And he says the reason that Jesus needs to increase is because when Jesus increases, people learn and live in lives of true success. There's a fallacy of success. There's a falsehood of success. There's people that are chasing the wind. But then there are those that really understand what Jesus came to give us, and that was heavenly success or spiritual success or true success. Here's what John the Baptist says as he answers his friends when they say, hey, everybody is going after Jesus. He says, that's great. That's what should happen. He said, a person cannot receive even one thing or or nothing. A person can't get anything of real success, of real value. A person can't get anything unless it is given to him from heaven. And this is why Jesus has to be the center of it all, because he's the one that defines true success. There's a lot of, and you battle with it every week, there's a lot of voices that say, here's what success is. I think Kanye's figuring it out. I think he's, he's, Kanye's figuring, there's a lot of stuff that's been said, hey, this is successful. but it's a, it's a fallacy. And John says, no, 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 I've got to decrease because Jesus has got the goods. He's the one that's going to show us what is real success. I would just say it like this. There's not real success in life unless it is it's spiritual. It's the things that you can't see. It's the love and it's the joy and it's the peace and it's the value of every soul. This is what Jesus comes to say. It's about, it's about long term. This is one of the reasons why we are um, purposely an intergenerational church. Look around all generations. This is something that we purpose at. It stretches us. It pulls us. It gives us some uncomfortable moments. But we need to have our young brothers and sisters mixed in with those of us that are in the third and fourth quarter of life. You can just decide which quarter you're in. But there's something about getting closer to eternity that sharpens what really is valuable. And it's important for us to hear it. I was reading, there's a a well-known neurosurgeon, uh, 
Paul Telich, and he's been diagnosed with terminal cancer, and there's a lot of downside to that. The upside is it puts him in touch with the temporary nature of life. And I know it's not a cheery thought, but every once in a while we should pause and just consider, I'm not here forever. It's temporary. And when we keep that thought, it helps us to figure out what, what the world is selling as success compared to what Jesus is selling as success and sort things out. And this neurosurgeon writes this. He says, money, status, in fact, all the vanities the preacher of Ecclesiastic mentions, that's Solomon, the wisest man in the world who figured it out. This world is selling a, a bill of goods. It's all temporary. It's all vanity. He said, everything that the preacher of Ecclesiastic describes hold so little interest to me now. It's like chasing after the wind. And there are so many people in this culture and society that are chasing after the wind. It's temporary. All of you uh, handle money each week, and you do various things with your money. Uh, some of you handled money this last week, and you don't know what happened to it. It's, it's, you knew you had it, and you know you don't have it now. Because you, 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 you put your money in things that were temporary. Uh, some of you um, have made purchases of like big items like, like cars and automobiles. And in general, cars and automobiles decrease in value. In fact, the moment you drive them off the parking lot, they're worth a lot more than you just paid. They decrease in value. And then some of you have, uh, and, and maybe you handled some of your money this last week like this. You invested your money in, like, my house is worth more than I paid for it when I moved here 24 years ago. Hallelujah. But, so there are some things that hold their value. In fact, there are some things, investments, that actually grow in value. Now, just in handling finances... As we grow older and wiser, we would like to take less of our money that we don't know where it goes. It just disappears money. And we'd like to get more of our money into money that is more long-term, right? That's just, okay. But even the, the longest-term investment that you have is only temporary. Someday my house will be gone. Someday this church will be gone. The physical building will be gone. The thing that really matters in this building is not the building. It's the people who are sitting in the seats. It's the value of a human soul. And that's why Jesus came. He came to tell us the value of the human soul. He said, what should it profit, a man or a woman, that gains the whole world of success but loses their own soul? Because Jesus knew it was about people coming into the family of God. God because people live forever. And he sorts that out. And get this, please. The more central Jesus becomes in your life, the more that becomes a reality. The more central it is in our church, the more it becomes a passion. That we're not just here to sing a few songs and listen to a few words. We're here for the transformation of the human soul because they matter to God and they last forever. True success are things that you can't quantify. Love and joy and peace and eternal life. And he says, okay, this is why it's important, guys. It's important that I decrease and Jesus increases because he's got to be at the center because he brings what's really successful. 
spiritual success, heavenly success. That's why it's important that Jesus increases. The second thing he says, and this is a passion of mine, so I'm glad he mentions it, is that when Jesus increases in our lives, actually joy increases. And to teach us this, he brings us into the world of weddings. Um, has anybody here been to a wedding? Anybody getting, anybody getting married this next year? Anybody, any weddings on the horizon? Okay, I don't, not seeing them. Oh, yes, you see, you, you, they're not putting their hand up, but you're putting it up for them. I see that. I don't know if that's a prophecy. I want them to get married. I'm really not going to go there. But here, but here, get this truth. Here's what John is teaching. He's teaching us, and he says, okay, here's why it's important that Jesus increases and I decrease. He brings us into this truth. He says, the one who has the bride and the bridegroom, okay, there's a bride and a bridegroom. How many would know they would be central in the wedding service? Central, okay? Okay, and the friend of the bridegroom, the one that's attending the bridegroom, stands with the bridegroom and hears what the bridegroom says and rejoices greatly in the bridegroom's voice. What he's saying is, hey, when you go to a wedding, the bridegroom is very important. The best man is not. Can you imagine going to a wedding and uh, there's the, the couple is at the front. They've made their way to the stage. The minister is, is beginning to welcome the guests. And, and you see the, the best man and, he, and he's here. And you just see him. He's just inching his way. You think that's odd. He's sort of moving towards the couple. And he gets right between the bride and groom. And the pastor says, excuse me, hold it. What what are you doing here? Well, don't you know? I'm the best man. There's my title. Best man. Don't you know? It's all about me. And the minister says, no, 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 no. You must decrease. This moment is about the bridegroom. Can you imagine if they were taking the photographs and every photograph the photographer says, hey, you, Joker, yeah, you best man, I'm talking to you. Get out of the picture. Well, can, can you imagine the first dance? The bride steps onto the floor and who's there? Mr. Best Man, it's, it's all about me, isn't it? This is what John is talking about. Can you, cutting of the cake, who has the knife? John is saying, no, 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 get this from a wedding. It's about the bridegroom. He's saying, it's a, this is about Jesus. And when you get this truth, watch this. When you get this truth... Here's what John says, the prophet. Therefore, when the bridegroom is central, when the bridegroom is at the center of the party, when it's all about him and not about you, therefore, this joy of mine is complete. John is saying, hey, because Jesus is increasing, I'm decreasing, it actually makes my joy complete. And somebody here needs to hear this. Jesus talks about the kingdom of God often uses the metaphor of a a wedding because it's a celebration. And in Jesus' day, people really celebrated. They partied for like a week long or longer. 
It was a joyous celebration. And this is what Jesus teaches. The kingdom of God is about the wedding party. You could actually say, and someone has said it, and I agree with them, the kingdom of God is a party. Okay, now just think about your life. Think about the three-ring circus that it is. Think about the party that it is. And then just analyze, where's my joy level? And if your joy is dragging, more than likely, in virtually every case, it's because the wrong person is at the center of the party. Oh, I wish you'd get that. I wish you'd get that. John says, no, no. As I decrease, as I take my place in the wedding party, I'm just overjoyed I was welcome to the wedding. Some of you go, I don't have much to be joyful about, Scott. Yes, you do. You are invited to the wedding. And you're in the wedding party. That's good news. You're not the star, but you're in the show. Jesus is the center. And this, in my life, personally relieves so much of my anxiety. So much. Because when I am the center of it all, then I need to control everything. That increases anxiety. When I have to worry about everything, keeping everything, holding it all together, when I let Jesus take the wheel, when I let Jesus increase, when I let Jesus be central, I go, listen, I don't understand it all, but I know Jesus has got things under control, and I'm just going to relax and be joyful. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's, okay, we can affirm that. There is joy in allowing Jesus to be the center. In your family life, in your marriage life, and certainly in our church life, when Jesus is the center, you smile more and laugh a lot. That's why I check you out every week. I'm checking to see if Jesus is the center. He must increase. I must decrease. John goes on to point this out, that when Jesus increases, there is an unlimited anointing of the Holy Spirit. There is something that happens when you let Jesus increase and you decide that you're going to surrender your will, surrender your agenda, surrender to him. That brings what John calls an, uh, an anointing of the Holy Spirit that is without measure. Look what he says. For he whom God has sent, he's talking about Jesus, when he increases, he utters the words of God. For he gives the Spirit, how does he give the Holy Spirit? Without measure. Without measure. Wow. Jesus would like to place an anointing upon your life that is without measure. As much of an anointing as you have ever experienced, he has so much more. It is unlimited. It's more. And when you let Jesus take the center stage, you experience more of his presence. You experience more of his power. There's an anointing that increases. And if you haven't experienced that anointing yet today, I pray that before you leave this room, Jesus would place the Holy Spirit in through and around you without measure. Without measure. The Hebrew Scriptures or the Old Testament picture the Holy Spirit coming on specific people for a specific task. 
specific people for a specific task. But now Jesus has come. He has gone to the right hand of God the Father, and right now he is pouring the Holy Spirit out on people just like you. And if you are hungry, if you are seeking, if you are ready to receive, before you leave this room, you can experience an incredible anointing of the Holy Spirit. You've been dragging, your red light has been going off, the oil level is low, but today is your day to top up. And that happens, that happens when you go, okay, the whole issue of a spirit-filled life is a spirit-surrendered life. I surrender, I give up, I, what John, I decrease and allow Jesus to increase because Jesus carries an anointing that will revolutionize your life. It will heal your soul, it will heal your body, it will bring the miraculous alive in your soul. Imagine experiencing a greater anointing than you have ever experienced in your life, that's available to you today. And as great as it is today, the same truth is true tomorrow. Imagine walking in an ever-increasing anointing as the Spirit moves in through and around you with out measure. Imagine a week, a month, imagine a year. Imagine a church that gathers together and experiences the presence and power of the Holy Spirit without measure. Jesus, take the wheel. Jesus, take the wheel. Then he wraps up by just saying, hey, when Jesus ascends, when Jesus is central, he gives eternal life. And eternal life is not just a quantity of life. It's not just long life. Eternal life is about a quality of life. It's about Jesus as he is central in our personal life and he is central in this church when it's all about Jesus. Things that we cannot imagine in the natural take place. We move from the natural realm into the supernatural realm. For John says, God loves the Son, God loves Jesus, and he has given, I love this, all things into his hands. What does that mean? That means everything, everything, everything you need, whatever you need today, whatever you need today is in Jesus' hands. You need strength and encouragement and healing, it's in Jesus' hands, and he's extending it to you. You need that miracle, it's in Jesus' hands. You need eternal life, salvation, it's in his hands. Your family needs help, that help is in his hands. That prodigal that you're praying for, the salvation has already been provided, it's in his hands. He's reaching out, all he wants us to do is to say, thank you Jesus, I receive what you already are giving to me. It's in his hands. The Father loves Jesus, and when Jesus is central, we begin to receive. We, begin, we stop living minimal spiritual lives, and we start feasting on the abundance that Christ has for us. It's all in his hands. And we reach out and receive it even today. Whoever believes in the Son, whoever allows Jesus to be central, has eternal life. 
if you don't believe in the Son, if you disobey the Son, you don't put your trust in Him, then you don't have life. The wrath of God remains on you. But I choose to let Jesus give me life. Not just long life, but the quality of life that's filled with love and with joy and with peace. And when Jesus is central, then we can live like Jesus. When Jesus is central, then we can love people the way that Jesus loves them. When Jesus is central, generosity doesn't have to be asked for. It just is part of our lives. We listen and we obey. Jesus is generous and we're generous. When Jesus is central, we pick up the towel and we help people. When Jesus is central, we pray. Prayer is not an arduous task. Oh, i got to pray. It's like I get to spend time with God. I get to enter into his presence. I get to ask and I get to seek and I get to knock. I get to spend time with Almighty God and I get to see his hand on my life. So here's why John says, hey, they're all going to Jesus. That's exactly what should be happening. Let me tell you, in this church, that's exactly what should be happening. Everybody should be flocking to Jesus. We are praying for a Jesus revolution in our generation. We're praying that this rising generation would flock to Jesus. May they forget my name. May they forget your name. May they forget the name of the Church of Hope. But may they find the name of Jesus. And may Jesus give this generation... What it desperately needs, because the enemy's been sowing false success. They're chasing the wind. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. I'll show you what real success is. So John says, hey, I want you to learn true success. I want you to experience the real joy of letting the bridegroom be the bridegroom in the church. That when we gather together, it's not about you, it's not about me, it's about Jesus. Here's what Jesus said. If I be lifted up, if I be lifted up, he's talking about the cross and the message of the cross. If I be lifted up, all people will be drawn to me. This is our prayer. That all of our neighborhoods, all of our friends, all of those people that are living far away from God in broken lives, would come into the wholeness and healing of a people that are absolutely dedicated to praying with John the Baptist and prophesying over your life and over this church. Oh yeah, Jesus has to increase. But thank you, God, that you've been in. But Jesus, there's more for you to do here. Jesus, may you increase. We're all ready to decrease, God. We're all ready to get out of the way. We don't care about ourselves. We care about you, your reputation, your name. We want you to increase. Let us decrease, God. Let the glory of Jesus arise in the house of Jesus. Let the church say amen. We're standing together. I want the musicians to come. I want them to come and sing that little song that was prophetic in worship because Jesus is here. And I want the Holy Spirit to allow Jesus to arise in your soul. I want him to rise up. Close your eyes, please. Close your eyes. Don't even look at the musicians coming onto the stage. Don't look. I want the Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus to you. 
I want you to have the spirit that was on John the Baptist, the greatest prophet of all time. He says, oh, no, 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 it's all about Jesus. People are flocking to Jesus. That's what I want to happen. I'm ready to decrease. Let me decrease, but let Jesus increase. I don't care what the person beside me thinks about me. I don't care what the person behind me thinks about me. It's all about Jesus because Jesus is here. Lift your voice and sing it. your hands up and sing Jesus lift your hands up and just surrender to Jesus Jesus Close your eyes and just know him if you know him. Know him. Mighty Jesus, mighty Jesus, mighty Jesus. Mighty Lord. I will worship. Come on, let's worship him. Worship him. Worship. I reach my hands. Heaven, I lift my eyes. When my help comes from Mighty Jesus, my healer, I trust in you, Jesus. Look to him, look to him, look to him, look to him. Eyes where my help comes from. You, my strength. Close your eyes, everyone. I call for every person to walk with Jesus. You don't have to be far away from the kingdom of God. All you need to do, we just read it from God's word. Believe in Jesus and you have eternal life. Believe in Jesus and you have eternal life. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come immediately if they would. And we pray this prayer together in Jesus' name. Good, strong voice, everyone. This is a prayer of salvation. This is a prayer of deliverance. This is a prayer of freedom. This is Jesus entering our lives for the first time or for the first time in a long time or on an ongoing basis. We lift our voices. We say out loud, dear Heavenly Father. I come to you in Jesus' name, and I open my life, my heart, my soul to Jesus Christ. I turn away from sin, and I receive your grace, your love, your forgiveness, your mercy. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Overflow in my life that Jesus' name may be lifted up, that eternal life may fill the earth 
In Jesus' name we pray. Let the church give celebration to God. Hallelujah. There is an anointing here. The anointer is pouring the Holy Spirit out. The worship team is going to sing it. Whatever you need. Whatever you need is in the hands of Jesus. Our prayer team is here to pray with you and for you in the name of Jesus. And I exhort you, I call you to step from your life as it is now to the life that God has by praying and receiving prayer, letting the anointing of the Holy Spirit touch you. I'm going to pray for the gifts of the Holy Spirit to flow at the altar. While we're singing Jesus is here, you can come to the communion table and worship Jesus through the bread and the cup of the Lord. And say, Jesus, you are the center of my life. If you've been a guest here today, thank you so much for coming. Please come. Please keep coming. God has more for you. We know that. And if you have any questions or you want to just stop by for a quiet visit, VIP, we'd like to see you if you're a guest. But may every person in this room, may every person in this room receive what Jesus has for you. Don't, don't turn and walk that way before coming and receiving. That's what we're doing in prayer. So I pray right now that the Spirit of Almighty God will bring you to a point of transition. And transition comes as you decrease and let go of your plans, your agenda, and you let Jesus increase. May this be a moment in your life and in the life of this church where Jesus is lifted up. May there be a breakthrough. May the anointing of the Holy Spirit be on our prayer team. May the gifts of the Holy Spirit flow like a mighty river at this altar. May the communion, may there be anointing on the bread and the cup of the Lord. Fill this house, God, with an unmeasurable anointing, O oh God. May the word and the power of Jesus be so present because Jesus is here. Jesus is here. Jesus is here.